Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. I love to see the hugs and smiles. Happy Sunday, everyone. So excited to be here on this beautiful Father's Day morning. Happy Father's Day again to all the fathers. If you know me, you know my daddy's girl. Love you, dad. Happy Father's Day. Um, So before we get into centering prayer, I want to share a little conversation that I had with someone. When was it? Maybe this just this past week about they had asked me what it was that changed my life. And I told them meditation. Meditation truly changed the course of my life, the way I view things, the way I act, the way I, just who I embody. I am my true self because of this meditation practice. So the girl replied with, oh, I can't do that. She's like, you know, my mind, my thoughts are just too much. And that just had me thinking, what if we viewed, she also stated her thoughts and her emotions were too much for her. But what if we viewed our thoughts and our emotions as these guides, as these teachers to lead us back to our true self? You know, if we saw ourselves as divine, because that is who and what we truly are, what if we embodied this divine self that we are, then we can experience God and be one with God. And then everything can change. We can see the world as divine. We can see one another as divine, as our brothers and sisters in God. That's what, it, that's what it means to meditate, to just be and embody your true self, the divine self that you are. So this morning, I want us to just embody that divine self, to be one with God, to be one with self, to be one with everything and everyone in this room. You know, what the trees exhale is what we're inhaling, what we're in, and vice versa. You know, what we're inhaling, right? Yeah, with the trees exhale, we're inhaling. <laughs> I got lost there. But that just goes to show you how we are all one. We're all connected. And that is divine. That is God. That is within each and every one of you. So I want us to get into a comfortable position. I want us to close our eyes. Go ahead and place your hands facing upward. If you'd like to receive, you can place them downwards if you feel like you want to be grounded this morning. And before we begin, I want you to think of three things that you're grateful for this morning. I am grateful for this breath. I am grateful for my family. I am grateful for this community. Whatever it is that you're grateful for, spend a moment right now with that.
we're going to start off by taking three deep breaths together. Every time you exhale, I want you to exhale with your mouth open so that you can release. Go ahead and take a deep inhale. Let's all exhale together. Go ahead and inhale. And exhale. Go ahead and inhale. And exhale. Release any tension that you're holding in your forehead. Release any tension in your eyebrows. Release any tension you're holding in your jaw. Release any tension in your shoulders. Relax and embrace this moment. Be here right now. There's no other moment that needs you. Just be. You are honoring yourself by being here right now in this moment. yourself into this moment if any thoughts arise become the observer do not judge watch them float on by like clouds you are not your thoughts you are not your emotions You are divine. You are whole. You are already one with God. There's nothing you can say or do to keep you away from this wholeness.
allow yourself to sink deeper and deeper into your true self. moment reminds us that there's nothing we need to experience love. You already are love. Embody it. Feel it. Love is who you are. here with purpose and reason. Every breath you take reveals to us that we are here with purpose and meaning and love. Whenever you're ready, bring awareness back into your body. And let's end with three more breaths together with your eyes closed. As you exhale, I want you to release everything that doesn't serve you. The anger, the fear, the doubt, any hate, jealousy. Release it all. It doesn't serve you. Whenever you're ready, go ahead and open up your eyes. Amen. Love you all. Happy Sunday. Good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Happy Sunday. So glad to see your beautiful faces. Very happy that you're here. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. My name is Danny. Uh, my wife and I started this community about six years ago or so in my parents' living room. Some people that are here were there at that time. And that's pretty cool. And I just got to say, anytime anybody just comes and shows up to be a part of what we're doing, it's such a, such a huge honor for me that anybody would give us 
their time and their energy. But it's a back and forth mutual thing, you know? We give to you, you give to us. I remember all throughout 2020 during COVID, when we couldn't gather together like this, we would come to this room and I would have to teach in front of a camera and it was the worst. I was like, I wanna be with people. You know, I wanna, I wanna see their smiles and I wanna hug folks. And so the fact that we've been able to do that and that we're here today doing that, I definitely don't take it for granted. I was happy, I'm not gonna lie. I've been doing uh, this kind of ministry thing since I was 21, so that's like all of my weekends gone for all of my young adult life. So 2020, I'm not gonna lie, I was like, yeah, let's just keep canceling Sunday for a little longer. Let's see how long we could do this. But then there was a little itch inside of me. I was ready, I was ready to come back. And it's because of you, you know, the people are what make Heartway special. And so our vision here, our goal, our, our purpose is to help people discover themselves in God and transform the world through love, self-discovery and social transformation. That's what we're all about. And we believe that social transformation begins with self-transformation because if our heart doesn't change, our actions will not change. And so it begins with every individual. The collective will never change unless the individual changes. So I feel like Heartway is a time when we get to come together and just open up our hearts and let God do surgery, right? With the scalpel of love, that's it. And we're not even really doing much other than just laying down there and being vulnerable and open in that kind of way. But with that kind of vulnerability and with that openness, comes a lot of change and transformation. And so that's what, what we're all about. And every once in a while, I think it's important for us to clarify and define who it is that we are and what it is that we're doing as a community. And there are a lot of ways to describe who Heartway is. There are a lot of ways to describe what it is that we do in the world. But the words that I've been mulling over lately are these. Heartway is a spiritual community where you can find Jesus without Christianity. Jesus without Christianity. And here's what I mean by that. You're good on the keys, bro. I mean, I know you're going in, but you're good, bro. <laughs> this man is like, he is going in. Let's give it up for Miko real quick, man. Wow. He was not going to stop. You saw, his eyes were closed, he's doing all this. Like, bro, worship stopped 10 minutes ago, bro. <laughs> hey, hey, I appreciate that though, man. I do appreciate that though, man. I love you, give this guy a hug, bro, I love you. <laughs> hey, that was awesome, man. All right, you can come back though, like, later, so that everything I say sounds more spiritual, okay? <laughs> but we're still in the beginning of the sermon, so. Anyhow, so. Heartway is a place where you can find Jesus without Christianity. And here's what I mean by that. Our foundation is the teaching of Jesus. But we are not bound by or limited to the religion that was created in his name. Okay, so Jesus' message was love. And yet, if you've been around for some time paying attention to what happens in the world of religion, you probably know, you've probably experienced firsthand how religious institutions, religious systems, religious dogmas can get in the way of putting 
the love of God into practice in our everyday life. Sometimes it just flat out gets in the way. There's a reason why in the first gospel that was ever written, the gospel of Mark, Jesus' first exorcism did not happen in a bar. It didn't happen in a brothel. It didn't happen in a prison. It happened in a synagogue, a.k.a. in church. That's where Jesus casted out his first demon. Now, at first, that can sound a little shocking and surprising. And yet, isn't it true that sometimes the worst demons among us like to give the impression that they're angels? Come on, that deserves a little snap, spoken word. (laughs) They hide in their religiosity. But their hearts are impure. Their hearts are divisive. Their hearts are not in the right place. They do not see the world through eyes of love. For some reason, people have come to believe that religion is a justification to get into other people's business. As if what other people do or don't do with their life had anything to do with you. It doesn't. The issue is the religious mind inevitably produces judgmental people who meddle in the business of others because the religious mind keeps you in a state of guilt and shame because religiosity is built on the foundation of fear. And where there is fear, there cannot be love. And so if you fear God and God's punishment, you better believe you will be very punishing towards other people, and you will fear other people, and as a result, you will judge them because of it. So listen, our, our aim here is, is, we're not here to push a sort of moral agenda, or intellectual agenda, or political agenda. We're here to promote love. That is our only agenda. We're here to promote love. We're not here to tell you that you're broken. We're here to tell you that you are already whole. That is the good news, that there's nothing wrong with you, that you are accepted and beloved of God exactly as you are. And nothing you do or don't do can ever change your status before God as one who is completely and totally loved. God can't help but love you. God is love. Period, point blank. And so this is why Jesus would say the words that he did when he said, come to me, all of you who are weary and who are burdened by religion and all of its heavy demands. If you're burdened by religion, if you've grown weary from the rules and keeping up with all the holy people and making it seem like everything is okay when it isn't and having to pretend because of your religion, come to me, I'll give you rest from all of that. A rest that can only be found by living into who you are without any guilt, without any shame without any of the constant self-judgment that we incur on ourselves. Come to me, Jesus says, everyone who's weary and burdened, I will give you rest. The thing is, for a lot of us, religion and spirituality is just about creating this vision in our mind about who we think we should be or who we think we need to be and then always trying to be that and 
as that gap grows between who we are and who we think we're supposed to be, we feel like we're not enough. And so then we get stuck in the guilt and we get stuck in the shame and we never get out of that cycle. We keep trying to push ourselves to be our highest self. We keep trying to put in the effort to be like Jesus. We're trying to do all these things to meet these demands and we can't, we fall short. So we feel horrible about ourselves. And then that shows itself in the way that we relate to other people. We're very, very harsh on ourselves. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, oh, I'm really tough on myself. I'm really hard on myself. Anybody else like that? I'm really tough on myself. I'm really hard on myself. Well, guess what? If you're hard on yourself, it's not going to always be the case in every relationship, but in some circumstances, you will also be hard on others. If there are aspects of yourself that you deny, you will deny them in others. If you don't accept yourself in your fullness, when you see those aspects of yourself that you reject in another person, you're going to judge them too, just as harshly as you judge yourself. And so it begins here. It all begins in here with accepting yourself. So, where was I going to go with this? <laughs> I forgot. Oh, okay. When you come to Harway, you may come across people very different lifestyles, radically different approaches to life than you. You may come across people who see the world in a very different way than you. And we like that. We want to keep it that way. We don't want to create a bunch of robots who all talk the same way and think the same way and act the same way. We value diversity. And in the midst of this diversity, guess what? Nobody is under any obligation to conform to the expectations that you have for their life. Even if those expectations come in the form of Bible verses. Because our highest value here is freedom. Because without freedom, love is not possible. So at Heartway, people are free to be whoever they are. And our love for them will not change on the basis of how they choose to use that freedom. And our hope is that as you become a part of this culture, that this energy can rub off on you and you can carry this with you into every circle and arena of your life. And let go of the need to constantly try and change people and control people to fit your expectation of who you think they should be. Now, it isn't necessary to be against religion. And it's important for me to say that. When you've been on the back end of religious bigotry or religious abuse or religious exclusion, it can be very easy to retaliate with that same kind of bigotry and exclusion and abuse. And sometimes we have to kind of go through that phase, right? Like I, I've, I've been through that phase. But I have to come to the recognition that even though I felt like I graduated from and moved on from this small, narrow, religious fundamentalism that I came from into this more open, gracious space that I was still pretty ungracious and closed off to those people, right? So it took some time for me to realize, wait a second, I'm, I'm still being the same thing on the other side now. I'm still being that same uh, divisive person but from this viewpoint now, that's more enlightened and tolerant, except towards those people who are not tolerant. 
You understand how that works, you know? Very, very enlightened and very tolerant, but not if you're intolerant. If you're intolerant, then I don't tolerate you. <laughs> so it's easy to be against religion, but there's no need to be against religion, right? Because religion is what you make it. The Bible is what you make it. It can be a, a, a tool for healing, or it can be used as a weapon for destruction, the difficulty is that when religion, when the Bible, when Christianity is used as a tool for destruction, the people who are using it in that way aren't aware of that. They don't even know that they're using it in that way, and they actually think that they're doing something good. That's what makes religious ideology so toxic when you become entrenched in it, because if you're not careful, you're not going to become aware of how you hurt people with your knowledge, with your scriptures, with your belief, with your truth. All the while doing it in the name of God. Doing it thinking you're doing something good. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm doing this because I love you. You're going to hell, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm doing this because I love you. But, and, and it's genuine. It's genuine from these folks. That's what I, you know, I, I had to learn how to see that too. And not get defensive about that. This is, because I was that. That's a, you know, we forget, a lot of us forget that we were that. We were those people. And that's what started to help me. Because I'm like, wait a second, when I was in that mindset, I didn't have bad intentions. I wasn't out here trying to hurt people and give them trauma. <laughs> you know, I, I had a good intention. <laughs> I had a good intention. Because I was able to see my heart, I'm able to see beneath the surface into, into the heart of others. But religion is ultimately, it's, it's what you make it. It's about, it's about how you use it. I heard this joke recently about a man who went to Europe on vacation. He went to a small little village. He was getting a tour. And he saw all of these churches, beautiful churches in this little village. And so he said to the tour guide, my goodness, look at all these beautiful churches. The people here must really love the Lord. And the tour guide looked back to him and said, well, they may love the Lord, but they sure as hell hate each other. <laughs> That's how it goes sometimes. <laughs> That's really how it goes. Yeah, they love the Lord, but they hate each other. I mean, you could say that, you know, you're a Christian. You can say whatever you want. You can say, I go to church every Sunday, and I'm religious, and I'm holy, and I'm this, that, or the other. But what does your life say? How do you treat other people? How do you treat you? Right? That's where the real test is. So when it comes to, to religion, there really isn't a, a problem with religion until it becomes an identity. Once it becomes an identity, that's when the division comes in. Because now my religion is a means through which I differentiate myself from other people. And set myself apart from other people. And so I, it, you know, my sense of self now becomes derived from how right and true my religious beliefs are. So if those beliefs are challenged... Well, that's going to create a big problem because this is my identity you're talking about. My identity is built on the, on the truthfulness of these beliefs. And you're attacking these beliefs? Well, that can't be so. I can't allow that to happen because this is really, really personal to me. 
Okay, you understand how this works? When it becomes an identity now, that's when there's separation between you and the other. And from my experience in Christianity, you know, for me, it was like, all right, I have to clearly define what it means to be a Christian. Now I have to define what it means to be a true Christian and a false Christian because not everybody out here who says they're a Christian is a real Christian. And before you know it, you don't even get along with most Christians, let alone people of other religions or no religious affiliation, just more separation, more fragmentation. And this is the same thing that happens with our politics, with our nationality, with our race, with our gender and sexuality. It is the same, the same kind of division. And some of us, we just move from the world into spirituality, but we bring that same kind of toxic us versus them mentality into spirituality, thinking that is holy because we got Bible verses. No, it's the world. It's still, it's still the mentality of the world. The word religion means to rebind, to bring together. But for a lot of people, we're only going to come together with the people who adhere to these standards and who adhere to these beliefs. And so, of course, that means more separation. If you're not for us, then you're against us. Jesus said the complete opposite, by the way. (laughs) If they're not against us, they're for us. Don't bother them, even if they're doing things that seem to be contradictory to the way that you do it. They're not against us. They're one of us. So we have to be careful, right, when when this becomes an identity, when it becomes personal to us, that now this does not become a means through which we separate ourselves from other people in our rightness. You know, Jesus' message is about setting us free from all of these false identities so that we can come to discover our truest identity as beloved children of God, which means we're all one big family, every single human being emanating from one source, everyone and everything interconnected. Before you are a Christian, before you are a Muslim, before you are a Jew, before you are a yogi, before you are a spiritual person, before you are whatever the heck you call yourself, you are a human being. And that's what all of us have in common. One God, one humanity. One God, one humanity. That's what unites us. So don't worry about becoming a Christian. Become a Christ. Look out at the world through Jesus' eyes and you won't see separation and division anymore. You won't treat people differently because of their social status or their net worth or their race or their gender or their sexual orientation because everything will become one to you. You will see yourself in the other. You will see the other in you. And then eventually you won't see self and other. You will just see God. You will see God in every human being. You will see the divine in every facet of nature. And that is what God is calling us into. Not just to worship Jesus, right? But to to be transformed by his consciousness. To, To have the same mind that he had is how the scriptures put it, right? Put on the mind of Christ. But... That's going to take releasing this, um, this ego problem, <laughs> you know, this, this, this strong identity that we've built on our religiosity and on being right. 
This is why only lovers can understand Jesus' message. Only a human being who loves can actually understand the message of the scriptures. Love goes beyond belief. Love goes beyond labels. You know, labels come with so much baggage. And when we label people, and when we label ourselves, now we're not able to see one another for who we really are. Because before I even meet you, I already have an idea in my mind of who I think you are on the basis of your label. Oh, you're, you're a Republican? I, I didn't. He's cool. I didn't think he was a Republican. <laughs> oh, you're. <laughs> you know, this started happening to me a, a couple of years ago. My wife um, started going vegan. And so, you know, I'm like, all right, well, she's going to make a lot of the food, so I'm going to just go along with it, and I'll be vegan, right? Now she's, she's left it, but she, you know, got me used to it. I'm a, I'm a habitual person, so I'm, I'm in it. But my reasoning for being a vegan was nothing more than just that. I watched, like, one documentary on Netflix, Game Changers, and I was like, all right, that works. It's healthy. I'll be a vegan. When I, when I started to say that I'm a vegan, I'm like, oh, my God. I didn't know that there was such a thing about this. Like, oh, you're vegan? Like, what? And people would try, try and argue with me, so I would have to tell them, like, nah, listen, bro, I don't really even. I'm, I'm a fake vegan, all right? Don't, don't even, I don't have any, anything to argue with you about. I, I, I'm, I don't care that much about this, dude. Like, I'll eat the steak if you really want me to. I mean, you know, but it's like the, these labels... These labels come with someone, and now you can't see people. I can't see you for who you really are. I have all these ideas in my mind about who you are. And those of us who have been burned by religion, this, it can be the same thing. All oh, those Christians. All oh, those Christians, man. I mean, well, you know, it's tough. It's not easy. But we lob these grenades and we forget that people are more than the categories that we put them in. People are so much more than the categories that we put them in. God is not a Christian. I hate to break it to you. God is not American. <laughs> it's funny, but some people really be thinking that. They think they're going to go into the heavenly throne room and there's going to be an American flag there. <laughs> All right? God is not a Democrat. God is not Republican. God is not conservative. God is not liberal. God is not male. God is not female. God is not black. God is not white. God is love, and love transcends all of those categories that we put ourselves and others in. And love calls us higher. Love calls us higher to a higher way of seeing a higher way of being in the world. Love calls us higher. This is why people had such a hard time with Jesus. This is why his message was so scandalous in his day. I mean, people thought, especially the religious community that Jesus was a part of, they thought he was being unfaithful to, to the tradition. That's what they were saying to him. What are you, what are you saying? Exactly. Do you think you're greater than, than our forefathers? Are you trying to destroy the law? Are you trying to get rid of all these years of tradition and all these beliefs and the way that we've always done this? 
What are you saying? That now none of that counts? And Jesus says, no, you don't get it. I'm not here to destroy it. I'm here to fulfill it. And love is the fulfillment. All religion, all of the stuff that we do is for the point of making us loving human beings. That's the whole point. It's so simple that we miss it. We want to make it more complicated. But Jesus was saying, no, love is the ultimate flowering of religion. Love is the pinnacle of all religion. Love is the point. Love is the point. Look at what the scriptures say in the book of Colossians. All the old distinctions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and civilized, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ and everyone is included in Christ. Amen. Another translation says, Christ is all in all. And that's, that's all that we're doing. We're just declaring the truth of who you are. Reminding you of who you are. Loved. Loved by God. As you are. As you are. So this is a community that is pluralistic, meaning we honor the wisdom of Christ that is found in all paths and all traditions. The way I heard it on Friday night, Dr. Jerry here invited me to a wonderful interfaith service that he uh, conducted in Fort Lauderdale at a parish there, and somebody said these words, Jerry, that stuck with me. They said, wherever we find love, we should celebrate it. Wherever we find love, we should celebrate it. You know, like it, it's, it's, it's insane to me. I was on Instagram a couple weeks ago, and I saw a video of a woman who was inside of her apartment in Israel. And she's taking videos of bombs in the air. Everything around her, like buildings crumbling. Everything's shaking. She's screaming for her life. I'm watching this video on my phone. And obviously, if you guys, unless you've been under a rock, you know that is what's been happening in the Middle East and, you know, between Palestine and Israel. We're talking about <laughs> this. This is a battle that's been going on for centuries, thousands of years. And a lot of it is tied up with this Bible that we're talking about. At what point is humanity going to say enough is enough? We're going to break the generational patterns. We're going to move into love. It's not about being right. But I don't know any details, and I can't speak into the specific situation that's going on there. I don't have any words pertaining to that. But I bring that up because it's crazy that in 2021, there's somebody recording on their iPhone bombs going off over their house on a regular Thursday afternoon, right now, and kids that are dying because there's bombs that didn't explode that fell to the ground, or mines that are on the ground that didn't explode and then they happen to detonate when there's a child nearby. This is like happening. So anywhere we see love, let, let us celebrate it. Let us celebrate it because there's so much of it that is lacking and missing in our world. And hum, hum, human beings are, are violent. We're violent. You know, that, that is our, our background. 
That is, that is where we come from. And if you look at nature, it's just the way of nature is violent. But how beautiful that there's this spark of divinity within humanity that calls us higher. That love actually becomes a possibility through our existence. That we become vehicles through which love enters into this universe. That is beautiful. And we need to be patient with one another, right? Because we're all scared and fearful and trying to protect ourselves and just survive on this planet. This is real life hunger games out here. So, you know, when somebody's acting, you know, a certain type of way, let, let's, may we have compassion and empathy towards them. But wherever we find love, let's celebrate it. That's why I say we're open to the wisdom of Christ wherever it may be found. See, it's one thing to say that Jesus is totally divine. It's another thing to say that Jesus is the totality of divinity. It's one thing to say God is fully revealed in Jesus. It's another thing to say God is solely revealed in Jesus. You know, it's when it's, it's those absolutes that sometimes can get us in trouble. And you don't have to necessarily let go of your absolutes. When you listen to me talk, you may be challenged and prodded in that direction. But I have met wonderful Christians who... Hold on to their absolutes, but their hearts are rooted in love. And, you know, what I like to say is that their life is better than their beliefs are. But, you know, the, the, the person who introduced me to interfaith work and interfaith dialogue, which I'm a part of with several different groups, and I've traveled and done a, a lot of wonderful things um, towards interfaith work, the guy who got me started on interfaith work is a Southern Baptist minister, which is the last person you would ever expect to be a part of any sort of interfaith anything, let alone, I mean, not even interdenominational anything. <laughs> and this dude, he, 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 he is best friends with an imam and a rabbi. They became so close, they started to get to learn each other's stories and then they said, why don't we spread this? Why don't we team up with other imams, rabbis, and pastors and create like little uh, like cohorts in different cities in the United States and see what can come about from these friendships? A couple of years ago, I took a team of like 30 of us from Hartway to a mosque in Miami Gardens to hang out with my friend, um, uh, Dr. Samra, who's an imam there. And, and, you know, it was out of this friendship that, that his heart began to open up. And I've seen this dude that I'm talking about. His name's Bob Roberts. We've been in a room filled with rabbis and imams, all right, and pastors, evangelical pastors, because that's his vision to get evangelical pastors into the table. How I got into that, I don't know. But he's, I've seen him stand in front of this room, and he says, listen, I believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I believe if you don't accept Jesus Christ in your heart, you... You know, you will not be saved. I am as evangelical as they get. That's how he says. He's from Texas. He's like, he's like, I am as conservative as it gets. I'm just not a jerk about it. That's what he said. That's what he said. And I said, that's it. I said, that's it right there. You got it, dude. You got it. Go ahead. Believe what you want to believe. Believe what, what, what you feel you have to believe. You know, believe what you think is right. Why, how could we ever take that from anybody? But it's important for us to become aware 
of how our beliefs are influencing the way that we act and react and treat other people. So our path is one that is open to all other paths. Our community is also a community that is inclusive. That means everybody belongs. If you think God rejects people, you will reject people. If you think God rejects no one, you will reject no one. And the reason why Jesus' message was offensive wasn't because of who it left out. It was because of who it let in. Jesus is like the kingdom of God is like a wedding party. And all of the people on the streets that are sick and lame and ostracized by society, they're invited to the party. And we all get to eat and feast together. That, that was Jesus' idea of the kingdom of God. To go especially to those that society ostracizes. And to say, you belong. You are loved. So when we from this stage say that we are affirming of people within the LGBTQ community, it's out of our faithfulness to Jesus. And out of the example of his life. He always went to those that society ostracized and said, you don't belong. You're impure. So this is an inclusive community. This is also a community that is non-hierarchical, which means no one holds power over anyone else here. Nobody. This isn't about wielding power over anybody. I am here to serve you. We are here to serve one another. And it's a mutual submission, nothing out of obligation, no one above anyone else, everybody equal. This is also a community that is non-dogmatic, which means there, there is no set of beliefs or ideologies or dogmas that you have to conform to in order to belong. Love has no ideology. That's why it's so boring to most people. Love has nothing to argue about. It's crazy. I was watching this politician the other day, man. And he was talking about a group of people that are bad, of course, and are doing bad things for society. And after he was berating them for a while, he goes on to say, I'm a Christian man. And I believe in love. And we've got to love. All right, he was saying, and, and, but he was saying this after he just basically demangled this other group of people. So you understand, those are the actual people that your love needs to extend to. Otherwise, what does your love count for? This is what makes Jesus' message radical. He says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. I heard a story recently, and I'll wrap up with this, about a Christian man who went to visit a Zen master. And this Zen master had never heard of Christianity, never heard of the Bible, never heard of Jesus. And so the Christian man said to him, hey, can I read to you a few uh, verses from the Sermon on the Mount? And the Zen master says, yeah, of course. He starts reading some of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who seek and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. 
And the Zen master listens to these words and he says, oh my God, whoever spoke these words was divine. And the Christian man got happy. He started reading to him more of these scriptures. And then the Zen master stopped him again and said, oh, wow, these are powerful words. Whoever spoke these words must have been a savior of humanity. And then the Christian man got even more happy. He started reading to him more scriptures. The Zen master says, whoever said these words was enlightened. And the Christian man got so happy, he gave him a hug and he left. He said, I'll be back. And in his mind, he was thinking, when I come back, I'm going to seal the deal. I'm going to convert this guy to Christianity. On his way back home, Jesus appears before him. And he says, Lord, Lord, did you see what just happened? I got this guy to confess your divinity. And Jesus smiled and looked at him and said, well, did it do any good other than just inflate your Christian ego? Did it do any good other than just inflate your ego? For so many people, religion is just about boosting up and inflating their ego. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm in, you're out. I have the truth and you don't. And then your whole life just becomes about trying to get people to agree with you and ostracizing those who don't. That's so boring. That's so boring. I'll never forget You know, one of the most impactful things that has happened to my spirituality is listening to people who aren't Christians talk about Jesus. Beautiful things that I have heard. And it shocked me the first time that I heard a teacher say this, but it was a a man from the East, very different world than our world. And when he said this, everybody in the crowd kind of laughed, like they knew something that we don't. And he said, you know, Those Christians, they don't even understand their own Jesus. And I'm I'm telling you, hundreds of people in that room laughing. They were like, oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Those Christians, they don't even understand their own Jesus. How could we? We're, We're too concerned with trying to convert you. How could we? You can't understand Jesus until you become like a child again. You can't understand Jesus until you open up your heart to love again. You can't understand Jesus without a humble spirit. You can't understand Jesus without a compassionate heart. Without those things, you may have Christianity or some diluted version of it, but you don't have Jesus. And those two are not the same thing. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for the gift of Jesus who moves us beyond religion beyond dogma, beyond rigidity, and into love. May your love transform us from the inside out so that we can carry the very presence of Christ everywhere that we go. God, in this moment, we open up our mind, we open up our heart so that we will be filled by your spirit so that we can see the world as you see the world. No more division, no more separation, no more categories and labels. May we all be one. May we all be one. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. Love you tremendously. I hope this resonates with you. We're here every Sunday, so look forward to seeing you next weekend, 11 a.m. God bless. Have a good one.